Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Two Peas on a Pod podcast again on this lovely morning. Hope everybody's doing wonderful today. Amen. We are in uh, Arkansas. We are in Arkansas today, and we've got a special guest with us today. And I just called Brother Zach, and I asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast, but he's at work. And uh, I guess you, you probably shouldn't be on the podcast when you're at work. But I asked him if he wanted to, but he was busy. So you're stuck with me today as your moderator here on the podcast. But we got a special guest with us today. His name is Pastor Ryan Marquis, a very good friend of mine for several years. I don't even remember the first time I met you, I don't think. I don't know. I was thinking about that when you mentioned it last night at Revival. I don't, I don't really remember. I guess it would have been... Uh, Preacher's meeting, I think. Maybe, I guess. In Tennessee, yep. Yeah, I knew your last name before I ever met you. <laughs> I looked a, right at you and knew that's, that's a, a marquee. That, that's a name that follows you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it's good to have you on the podcast today. Yes, sir. It's great to be here. Appreciate we, you. We've asked Brother Ryan to come on, and uh, he's got uh, just a wonderful testimony and different things the Lord has done in his life, and been through been through it a time or two yep and uh he's still here today and doing wonderful work here in batesville arkansas and uh and so just jump right into it i reckon and uh when when did you get saved i got saved when i was uh 15 at a youth camp uh my mom and dad had, had actually gone to most people would know my uncle uh, paul marquis it's my dad's brother and we grew up in his church when I was a young boy, my parents got out of church and uh, going through a lot of different things. And I know this is a podcast on my testimony. There's a lot there I have to leave out, but uh, just going through it. There's uh, a truck backing up. I hear it. I hear it. <laughs> uh, hopefully. They need to hush. We're doing a podcast. <laughs> so going through that as a young man and, and seeing both sides of the, the thing and, and being out of church. Uh when my family began to dwindle and, and fall apart, I, I ran to the right thing, thank God. And my, right. my uncle took me in, and I lived with him for several years. Um, so I went to school there, graduated at their school, Day Spring Christian Academy. And, uh, and really my ministry started there. started preaching my first message, 16. And most people would know uh, the NPEA, or National Pentecostal Evangelistic Association, uh, Brother uh, Savage, uh, L.D. Savage there, um, and the board there, great men. So uh, that was where my roots were, Virginia, West Virginia area. All the way as far as you can go. Yeah. Northeast West Virginia. Whoever, way up there. Who'd ever thought I'd end up in Arkansas? <laughs> but uh, the mountains here do remind – we're at the foot of the Ozarks, so it does remind me a little bit of uh, West Virginia and, and – Still not the Shenandoah Valley, but it's close. That is a pretty place. <laughs> it's a pretty place. But um, so that's how we we uh, we started. That's where we're at, Virginia uh, roots. And then we were assistant pastor for almost nine years in Martinsburg, West Virginia, which is Brother Brent Marquis, Paul's son. And we were there, pioneered a church there for almost nine years, which that church is still there. And then we went evangelizing. Um, I guess it was 2018 when I felt like the Lord called me after coming out of a um, really just a, a, the biggest health scare of my life. But we went to preacher's meeting and uh, 
That's probably I've, where we met. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think, think so. so. We left out of there, and uh, I know the Lord had, had put it on my heart after that to go. I think I mentioned it the other night, but I think maybe four or five evangelists had stood up that year, and uh, we were assistant pastor, been you know in ministry and and helped the the hurting and seen the the street ministry really in that town, and uh, I felt like it was time for us to go. And it was a hard thing, but I'm thankful that the Lord called us. We'd have never made it to Arkansas and seen the people and met God's people all across the nation. So it was a great thing for us uh, that God called us the way He did, and, and that we left. And I it hated to go, but it was a great thing, and we're just appreciative of that. And I've given my testimony all over to and been to states I never would have dreamed of being right. in. And so, and you know that as an evangelist. I, the the one thing I would say on here, if anybody's listening, I, I said I would never be an evangelist, and I've said that all across the country. Uh, never say never. Never say never, young people, young preacher. Um, I seen my uncle Paul or heard the stories of him evangelizing, and my cousin and different ones. They beat their body up and beat their trucks and their trailers up, and I thought, man, I'd never do that. And uh, never, not only not being uh, uh, thinking in my mind that I was a preacher, an evangelistic style preacher, but also the fact of just the commonality of it, or the this, I don't know if that's the right word, but the uh, you look at the the aspect of you know the money loss. Really, it's it's a it's a, a huge sacrifice, but uh, the Lord helped us and seen us through it, and I'm so appreciative of evangelists. So maybe the Lord did that for me to just appreciate guys like Brother Austin, <laughs> who's been with us this week. And uh, I know, I know, I know, I know all about it now, all the breakdowns and things that come along. And so I appreciate these guys that, that evangelize. Well, we appreciate that. And uh, I, I remember when we was both in Ohio at a camp meeting together and you pulled in right beside me and uh, you've got three boys and they're about, what, 10 and – 13, 16, something like that. Yep. And uh, they all jumped out and they're helping you set up and level and water and everything. <laughs> I was like, brother, this ain't fair. Uh, no, I, I said all mine are in diapers. I remember that. Barely crawling. I mean, this has been a couple of years ago. I think I, I think I even mentioned that to my wife. I said, I feel bad for Brother Austin. It's all, it's all on him. Um I had no, my it, my it boys had it. Bad. My boys had it down to a science. I'd, yep. I don't know if I – I mean, I had – Obviously, we have problems and things break, but I had hardly touched a sewer hose or a water line. I had it down pat for them to know what to do. I'd fix things if they were leaking, you know. And I don't mind to hook up the water hose, but to have somebody else to do the sewer no, and stuff, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be nice. It's nice teaching them <laughs> boys. So I don't know. Maybe God will use them one day to evangelize. <laughs> That's a long time. It's a long Probably time. They're all the, let's see, we got one almost four. The twins are almost two. I mean, you're looking at ten more years of traveling before you get there. <laughs> it's a, it's a sacrifice, and I appreciate guys that do it. For us, um, I think the Lord was staging every. Well, I know He was that He staged everything, and and I would say, I, Brother Brent Gabbard preached at that ministers meeting that year, and I never forgot it. But he kept saying, uh, "Trust the process." I believe it was Brother Brent Gabbard that, that preached about the process. And um, we go through things in life, and that's my testimony. Um, really, I can start it with you. We go, I don't want to go back too much, but what we'll start it at really would be um, I, I was in a, a business of my own. And, and that was about, what, 
2014. I decided to branch out on my own. And uh, I had preachers. I, I, I prayed about it and prayed about it and talked to different friends. And everybody would give me the green light. And, I, you know, I said I prayed about it. I, I probably should have prayed harder. But uh, I thought I was doing the right thing. And we did for three years we were in business. And uh, for two years we did okay. We made it. But the third year I um, I really just I lost everything. I lost my shirt really. Um, lost a whole lot of money. Lost my investments, lost my house that I, not bragging, but at 28, I'd paid for my house. The Lord had helped me through friends and stuff. We'd bought an older house and remodeled it. I owned everything I had, and we put everything on the line. And uh, we had that bad, bad tax year and uh, in the car business, and we lost it. And so I seen the writing on the wall, and I just I started selling off. But I talked to two different people that I was, had confidence in, my accountant and my attorney, both of them had told me uh, to file for bankruptcy. I'm not saying bankruptcy doesn't have its place, but I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pay my debts. And both of them at different times, not knowing the other one had said that, uh, looked at my numbers and said, you're going to have to sell a lot of stuff. And I sold land and cars and toys and everything I could do to, to keep my name clear and uh, tried to dig my way out of that hole. And thank the Lord we did, and we got out of that 2000, I guess that would have been 2017. I got out of that totally by the spring of 2017, and uh, I went back to construction and plumbing, doing what I know how to do. Uh, We always said the marquee's plumbing and preaching. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Paul and Brent, both of them, plumbing and preaching. And uh, so I got back into that, building houses with my cousin Brent, and uh, doing plumbing and just giving it everything I had that way, and the Lord helped me. Uh, Brother Austin, I'm telling you, it's a miracle on paper, the things that the Lord helped me. I don't even know how I did it, got out of the, the hole that we were in. But um, that was in the springtime, and then I'd have to look on my phone up pictures, but I believe it was September of that year. Uh, we had been just slowly getting out of it, and I know that the Lord was helping us, but we were in the plumbing van in my driveway, and we lived on a bad curve, and uh, the car, the lady had missed the curve. She was going about 60 on a 30-mile-an-hour curve. I was in the plumbing van. My son had just been sitting on the mower right there by the garage, and she missed the curve and went between the the uh, the truck we were in and hit the house going 60 miles an hour. Never, I don't know if she hit the brake, and when she wow. jumped out, she took the whole corner of our house off i thought my boy was on that mower he had just went to get me a mountain dew and when i turned around he'd been sitting on that mower he'd get, say he said here's your your drink daddy and he sat down on that mower and when i turned around all i saw was that car you know the loudest bang i'd ever heard in my life and then that car had killed that mower and i thought my son was killed underneath of it and uh i jumped out obviously screamed oh god you know help us and and the people that were in the car took off running <laughs> so that scared me even more oh no and uh we, I, I it's kind of funny i look at it now i've told it but i said in the name of jesus stop and uh she stopped and he stopped and i said are you okay and they just turned around and she threw some stuff over in the grass i'd seen her throw some things and he come back and i started talking to them and they calmed down and we talked and i said it's okay it's just a house and because my boy had ended up coming around we don't even know he was just little we don't even know if it was the hand it was really the hand of god 
He said he heard a loud noise and went around to the back side of the van. I don't know. The noise was after. So it was really a, a strange ordeal. I believe the Lord. Wow. I believe the Lord had his hand on him and uh, find out the girl was a heroin addict and uh, she was driving somebody else's car. It wasn't even her car. It was a bad ordeal. Long story short of it, the Lord helped us. And through that trial, there was a blessing. We were able to fix that part of the house and and, and fix the house. That was the only part needed remodeling. So the Lord helped us. We fixed that and uh, and put the house up for sale. That I said all that. That was September. That was a scary ordeal. And October to November, right in that time, through all of that, my wife had developed shingles. Uh, I didn't even know it. And I kept telling her, go, you know, she's just hurting, and that, that's a bad ordeal. If you've ever had shingles, you understand that. That was uh, in November. And in December, uh, that same year, December the 1st, I had been sick. The end of that, we, were, we, went, we always went to deer camp, my family. We always went hunting on Thanksgiving, and I was very sick. I'd been very sick and coughing and different things. And uh, through all of that, I'd... I'd couldn't even hardly catch my breath, and they the boys was telling me I needed to lose weight. I said, "Yeah, you're right," but uh, we I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just thought I was having a you know just a, a, a sinus congestion kind of deal, and just chest heavy and coughing. Thought my lungs was hurting. And December the first, uh, there was a meeting at Bible Holiness, I believe, and the pastor, uh, Brother Brent, and some of the guys had went down there. So I, I had covered for the service on Thursday. I preached, and I hadn't felt good at all, but they said, I forgot about it, but they said midway through my preaching, I had stopped the service and said, y'all pray for me right now, and I kind of held over the pulpit there, and that was on Thursday. On Friday, we went to um, do a water heater installation and doing some plumbing, me and my cousin Trent, and uh, that was the day I had the big heart attack. Um, I came out from underneath that basement. I felt claustrophobic. I came out. Again, I'm trying to give you the quick on this here, but I walked out of that house and I felt like my the basement, I'm not claustrophobic, but I felt that basement coming in on me and I, I ran out of that house and I fell in that yard. And when I did, I collapsed on my hands and knees and I thought I was, I thought I was done. I thought I was gonna die right there in that yard. And uh, I remember specifically crying out, God, I, I wanna live. And uh, I knew where I was going and you're but, for the audience. You're what thirty years old. I'm, I'm twenty nine. Uh, yes, I would have been thirty. I'm sorry. Yeah, so you're yeah. thirty years old. I was this one time. month from being thirty one, but I was thirty years old. Um, I stood up in that yard, <laughs> and I um, I stood up and lifted both hands up, not really caring who saw me. And I said, "God, please help me." And uh, I said, "I, I want to live to raise my boys." I, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I really didn't. I never had any health trouble. I went over to the plumbing van that we had there, and I looked in the mirror to see if my face was drooping. I thought maybe I was having a stroke. I didn't know, and my face was, you know, not drooping or nothing like that. So I got me something to drink, and uh, I'm moving back on this mic. I'm sorry, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I got me something to drink, and I kind of got myself together, and, and I felt the Lord touch me, really. I felt the Lord help me. I knew something bad had happened. And then I realized, walking back into the house, I couldn't use my left arm. So I was convinced I'd had a stroke because I heard people have you know, paralysis right. or whatever. So I went back downstairs to Trent. I said, buddy, I can't help you on this job. And he knew what he was doing. I said, uh, you're going to have to jump on this thing and, and do this. I'm just going to stand here and watch you and hand you stuff. I'm not feeling good at all. 
And so I, I really didn't tell him all that had happened, but we jumped in and finished the job. So we had to have a slogan for our plumbing company. We put our heart into our work because uh, we gave it everything we had and didn't know it at the time. But uh, we finished the job, and Trent pretty much finished the job, I'd say, and we carried everything out, and it's kind of funny, but I, I had that clipboard to get the customer to sign, and I kind of swung my hand up with that clipboard in it and held it while she signed the paper didn't even know what was going on and loaded up. And out of habit, I jumped in the truck to drive, and uh, we got to the end of the driveway, and I said, Trent, I can't even drive. I can't. My left hand won't work, and I'm, I'm sick, buddy. You're going to take me to the hospital. And so uh, he said, sure. So I jumped out, and we were we were 30 minutes from any hospital, Virginia, uh, Winchester, Virginia, or Martinsburg Medical, uh, so Martinsburg, West Virginia. So um, he drove me. He said, where do you want to go? I said, just take me to the West Virginia Hospital. It's on the way home. And so he dropped me off on Friday to December the 1st, and I had sent my wife a polo and just said, uh, I'm not feeling good. I think I'm going to go, may have pneumonia or something. I, I didn't want to scare her. I said, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm just not feeling good, but uh, I've been coughing still and stuff. I'm going to go get checked out. And so I uh, I was admitted. I went into the hospital um, December the 1st, and that ER first, really, I think, before being admitted, uh, they they told them, I told them what happened. They hooked me up to the EKG took blood all of that stuff and uh they nothing showed up on the ekg everything was fine and so they took the blood and then they sent me back to the waiting room and i don't know how long i was feeling better at the time i was still not right but i was feeling better than what i had i was sitting in the chair and a team of nurses and doctors came out into that waiting room and they said, uh, Mr. Marquis, and I'm like, uh-oh, you know. And they, they looked at me, and they said, get in the wheelchair. And I said, well, I can walk. And they said, just please get in the wheelchair. Um, and I said, okay. So I got in the wheelchair, and they started wheeling me back. And then that's when the, the fun began. Uh, they started doing all kinds of tests. And then I finally got somebody to talk to me and tell me. They, they said, you're staying here. It's going to be a little process. The doctor will come in and talk to you. And they put more wires on me and tests and scans. And I found out afterwards they'd done uh, the blood test and troponin is in your blood. And that's a protein. And mine was out the roof. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers. I think, you know, everybody Googles everything. I don't, I'm not going to Google while we're on the podcast here. But I, mine was like 3.0 something or 3 point something. It's supposed to be like 0. 0.06 if I remember right. Mine was like 3 point something. So my triglycerides were over 500. My cholesterol was over 500. My all of this stuff, and so they were very concerned at 30. And uh, so I'm, I feel like I'm taking the podcast from you, brother Austin. If you ever, no, if no. you want to interject or ask any questions, feel free. But so uh, through that, um, we stayed over the weekend and several doctors and nurses had come talk to me and you know look at my health chart no problems you know no issues never well, it was probably in all your if i had a dollar 30 years old if i had a dollar for every time somebody looked at me and said you had a heart attack and you're 30 <laughs> uh yeah. you've had this problem or that problem you know so um it was it was interesting to say the least i, I i've one of them guys that kind of likes to joke about everything uh, eventually i i find it and maybe my, my son tells me i have dark sense of humor but uh for me <laughs> it was just easier to be lighthearted about some of that stuff but 
the doctors came in and talked to me. Um, you know, that was Friday evening because we had just got off work. And so Saturday they came, and, and Sunday, you know, that's going to church day. You're right. you're an assistant pastor or youth leader, and, you know, you got we had a juvenile detention center ministry. Uh, my wife played the piano as a song leader. We had stuff to do. And so the doctor had come in on Saturday, and uh, I had told him, I said, I'd like to go to church tomorrow. Can I come back Monday? Because they wanted to do a heart catheterization. And I think everybody was convinced they were going to put a stent in, you know, just put like one stent in. This young guy's got a one bad artery, you know, or, or a little problem here that we're going to just put a little balloon stent and it's going to fix it. And that's what I had convinced myself of. And so... Uh, the doctor came in Saturday and he said, son, if I let you go home, uh, insurance is going to say we're not going to cover this because, and that was a miracle in itself that we had insurance. I think it was the second time in my life that uh, for a year that I'd ever had insurance. So that was a miracle in itself. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, so the doctor had said, if you leave, you know, that's going to be a problem for the insurance and getting it to cover it. So... My pastor came in and, and some of my friends and talked to me, and they had told me uh, that was about 11 o'clock at night. I decided we were going to stay in the hospital. And so my pastor had come in. He said, just stay here and do what you need to do. Brother Brandon told me, he said, just stay right here. Uh, you know, we got to get this figured out. We'll find out Monday. And so we had we had done this test planned for Monday morning. And on Monday morning, the uh, obviously there's a lot there that I don't go in detail for, but they were prepping me for a heart catheterization. And anybody that knows what I'm talking about, where they they uh, get the razor out on you, so that was uncomfortable. But uh, we had a lot of doctors and nurses coming in. But I remember right after everybody had left on Saturday night, it was 11:30, maybe midnight. Uh, I had another heart attack. I had another episode, and. I guess the realization for me after all of this was after several little attacks where I'd felt that same feeling, that same flutter feeling and that heart attack ache, that shooting pain in your shoulder to your right, your left arm, um, they had come in and they tried to administer. Uh, they wanted to give me something, and I told, I'd hit the button. I said, guys, I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm feeling bad again. And so they'd come in, and I, I'm not one. I didn't like to bug them, but you know they're like, "Well, they put me on the monitor again. EKG never really was good for me for some reason. The EKG never showed up very well. But uh, they come in. They say your heart rate is too low right now. I had developed, from what I can understand, a pretty low heart rate from struggling with heart issues and and, and artery uh, clogged arteries. So they said we can't really give you any um, nitroglycerin right now. And so they'd give me morphine. Well, I'd never had morphine in my life, and so it, it, it <laughs> threw it, you for a loop. It knocked me flat. They were, <laughs> it actually like froze me in time. And so they came back in two hours later, and when I woke up, I was hurting still at, on my chest, you know, and 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 felt like the the biggest person in the world was sitting on my chest, an elephant on my chest. And uh, hmm. they said, "Well, we're going to give you nitro. We've been able to bring your blood pressure back up." or your heart rate, blood pressure, one of the two, but my heart rate had been low. And so they'd give me a nitroglycerin. And when that nitroglycerin hit, I make this snapping noise, but just like that. 
that pressure went off my chest in 30 seconds. Wow. And I told them, please don't give me morphine again. <laughs> and they said, we've never had anybody say that before, but it made me feel horrible. But uh, it gave me a headache and everything. But that nitroglycerin, immediately I had relief. And I don't know, there was a realization there after that. I've got a problem. I've got a problem. And, uh, and it's not. It's it, yeah. It's not small. This is not going to be a stent. This is a problem. It may be a stent, but I, I felt, I felt a uh, heaviness besides the heart attack of like this is bad. And so another doctor had come in, a female doctor, and she was really nice. She was on call that night, and and she come in, and she was old enough to be my mom, but she grabbed my hand, and I had asked her. I said, just please, tell me that I'm not crazy. And so she'd come over to the side of the bed. I'll never forget it. If I get emotional in this, please forgive me. Sometimes no, I get ahead. to talking and I cry on certain people and things. But she grabbed me by the hand and I said, uh, I said, doctor, I said, the morphine didn't work, but the, but the nitroglycerin did. And I said, I'm smart enough to know that we got a problem. And she said, she said, you're having heart attacks. She said, you're you're definitely having heart attacks, and she said, I, "I'm glad you stayed, uh, you know, yeah. over this weekend." And she said, "We'll figure it out. Don't you worry about it." She said, "We'll figure it out," and so it was comforting. That doctor was just a. It, she didn't have to say much. It just the fact that she cared and showed right. up. And well, I, I was worried that if they sent you home, you might not make it back. I think so. Looking back on it, they weren't telling me everything, but. So that we got through Sunday. Sunday was just kind of a drag day. I was really, I listened online, if I remember right, and tried to find church. And um, I just, I listened to music, really. I just sat there uh, and listened to music on my phone and, and listened to services and people come and visit me. That was before COVID. That was BC. Yeah. <laughs> before COVID. Before COVID. <laughs> so uh, I was able to have visitors. And uh, after the doctor left, um, I, I was there alone, you know, obviously. Then Sunday came, and then we, we had uh, prep Sunday night for Monday. And then uh, Monday came, and they took me down for a heart catheterization. The heart catheterization, uh, if you know anything about that, that's an uncomfortable thing. But they kind of – they don't really sedate you, but you're kind of in a, a lull state, I guess is what you'd say. And – they put you in this cold room, and there's big, huge screens everywhere. These, I mean, these massive uh, screens that they use to to use on their camera, and they put a camera. Uh, they had prep prep me to do either groin or or wrist, but they'd put it in my my wrist. And when they put it in my wrist, uh, we had been cutting up in that room. The doctors and the nurses, I'd been talking to them, and we were laughing. And you know, obviously, everybody's saying, "Man, you're awful young to be in here." Yeah. And then people would look at me because I'm only, I mean, I'm a short, stocky guy, but I'm about 200 pounds, 210 at the time. So, I mean, they kind of looked at me like, you know, I mean, I'm, you're not the physical uh, fit, <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. not, you're not some beanpole, but you're definitely not somebody that we would expected to have uh, heart problems. And uh, so we're in there cutting up and they're like, man, you don't mind. I'm, no, let's have a good time, you know. And, so the whole room, the atmosphere, we're kind of joking and, and laughing, and I'm on this cold metal table in a gown, and uh, all of them get there. The doctor gets there, and they start the procedure, and it goes from talking and uh, kind of a, a, a light atmosphere to silence. I mean, like eerie, 
bad silence. And the doctor looks down and, and he pivots one of the big screens on the wall. And he says, Mr. Marquis, can you understand me? And I said, yes, sir. He said, can you see this? And I said, I, I could kind of see it. I really didn't know what I was looking at, to be honest with right. you. But it looked like some uh, deep sea exploration or something. <laughs> but, uh, he goes, you have um, blockages, uh, more than one. He said, if you understand, you have three blockages, 90, 90, and 100. And he said, I, I'm amazed that you're alive. Well, I had not told them, but I, I thought it was my nerves. But I had been having little heart attacks while they were doing that. And so when he started talking to me, and I, he said, how do you feel right now? And I said, I, I don't feel good. And he said, "Are you? have you had chest pains while we're doing this? I said, yes, sir. And he said, okay. Um, he said, I, this is probably the worst thing that I've ever heard a doctor say in my life. But uh, he looked down at me and he said, I, I can't help you, son. And immediately my mind was like, uh, am I helpless? I mean, what's going to happen? You know, I know they do you heart transplant. Three boys at home. Yeah, he says, I can't help you. Um, he said, I'm going to have to. But then he, thank God he clarified. He said, I'm going to have to send you somewhere. Uh, and so, <laughs> Why did you say that yeah, so before? At, at first I'm like, uh, but um, he said, where do you want to go? <laughs> I'm like, I'm laying on the bed. I'm half sedated. And I found out I've got three blockages, you know. And, and he's he said, I'm going to put a balloon in your leg through your groin area. I'm going to put a balloon up through there. And uh, it's going to go to your heart. And it's it's called, I think it's called a, a balloon angioplasty or I forget all the technical terms. I know them. I'm, I'm kind of rusty now, but it, it's basically a, a balloon that goes up through your heart into the to the blood vessel and mm-hmm. opens up the artery and allows it. And, but you can feel it. So it's the most uncomfortable thing you can imagine. You can feel that thing pumping. It's almost like a compressor is attached to it. And it's going. Psh, psh, psh. You know, you can feel that. I hope that doesn't mess up your mic. No, podcast. No, you're but you could feel that thing hitting your heart and causing you to to live and so that comforted me a little bit even though it was very uncomfortable i knew that they were doing everything they could do and uh, he said we can send you to three places winchester medical which is where i would have originally went um we can send you to uh, morgantown west virginia and their university hospital there he said or he said i can see if i can get you into baltimore and he said that's a great hospital well they had nowhere for me to go uh he couldn't get a hold of anybody. And he, I had told wow. him, I said, well, you know, you call my family and let them decide. I said, they're the ones that have to drive to see me, so let, call yeah. my wife. He called my wife, and I know she has a different take on this, but her, her take was um, – her take was – she was she takes a little bit longer to process things and the doctor had called her and we found out later that, that what the doctor had said was he had told her my situation and then said where do you want me to put him where do you want me to try to get him into and she said i'm on the way and she had said later that he just didn't hit what he was saying but she was on the way but she thought she had told the boys we're going to pick dad up he might have to have a little heart catheterization you know procedure and they might put a stent in but he'll be home she was hoping i'd be home that week and all this stuff yeah so when it just didn't hit and i knew what the reflection would be there you know when she got to the hospital and seen me with the machine hooked up and and being prepared for a, a, a helicopter ride and a life flight, which is what eventually happened. And so the doctor came back in after finding out we, he felt like I see now looking back that really he felt like time was of the essence that we only had so much time. Oh yeah. Um, he couldn't believe, 
that I was still alive with the blockages that I had, I guess, and the heart attacks and the, the description. Um, and so they put me over, and this is part of my testimony that I, I preach about. Obviously, I don't get, get to go into all this detail when I'm preaching, but uh, we went to a little side room. Uh, they'd put me in like a little holding area off of that uh, observation area, and, and they had put me over there and kept an eye on me, waiting on to see where they would send me. And from that place to there, I remember, and I hope I don't break down talking about this, but I remember um, knowing that my wife would see me like that and, and maybe my kids, and I had begun to pray, God, you have to help me. You have to make me strong as a man, as a husband, as a, as a father, and as a preacher, and, and I've got to have faith in you. And I remember just crying and begging God to help me to not cry. I know that sounds bad, but to when my family shows up to be strong. And uh, I remember specifically just that little room, the Holy Ghost coming in there. Like I've never felt it, just a, a calming presence that settled in that little metal room. That metal, I say metal, it's metal table, but you know that that uncomfortable place where you're not supposed to be comfortable. And right. I remember the comforter coming in there and just telling me everything was going to be all right. And uh, I knew when my wife would get there, she's not a big crier, but I knew she was going to be crying. And I never, I can, that I remember until we, I went home weeks later, I didn't cry after that. And I don't say that wrong. I just, I was able to stay strong. She came in and fell over my bed and uh, I didn't cry. I just, I told her, I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And she just cried, how can you say that? And, you know, and I said, I just know the Lord's told me it's going to be okay. I'm going to come out of this. And uh, I felt a, a reassuring presence there through that whole ordeal. And we went through a lot of low spots afterwards and getting home. But but through that whole process of being flown and, and knowing I'm going into surgery and coming out of it, there was a peace that, that I, I can only describe as that it just passes all understanding, like the Bible says, uh, that the Lord gave me, and then the Holy Ghost came in there. And there's more that I could say to that. But I'm going to cut you off right there, and we're okay. going to end this episode all right. and go into a two-part. Is that all right with you? That's great. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. All right, time. we're going to be back with Pastor Ryan Marquis with the rest of his testimony. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. Come back and see us next Tuesday. of life I've run The Lord says to me my child well done